Welcome to Younger and Older from the leadership team of Relate365.com. This is Dave Wager, and today I'm with Nate Brash, who is somebody we have often on the program. I'm the older guy. He's the younger guy. Uh, good morning, Nate. How are you this morning? I'm doing pretty good. Getting over a cold that just kind of lingers on, par for the course for going through cancer and having all that wonderful medication going through your system that just wipes the immune system out. Yeah, I was wondering, how do you how, do you do anything different now that you've been on uh, chemo to try and stay healthy? Because explain to, explain to our listeners, when you're on chemo, you can get sick easier. Mm-hmm. Why is that, and are you doing anything about it? Uh, I'm not really doing much about it other than keeping up on immunizations. Uh, typically, I wouldn't get the flu shot. This year, I did. And uh, the only two people in my household that did not get the flu this year was my youngest daughter and myself because we got the flu shot. There you go. Um, but yeah, as far as foods, there's really nothing that I'm doing anything different. When you have three small children, sickness yeah. just runs rampant through the house. But I've been very fortunate. Uh, this is the first cold I've actually gotten. So, Well, you know, my father-in-law was a doctor, I think, for like 40 years or 100,000 years or something. He was he was a doctor forever and a family practice doctor, and he never got sick while he was practicing, it seemed. Wash your hands. That's and, what he told yep. me. He said, you know, when you're a practicing doctor, you finish with a patient, you wash your hands. Yep. You go to the next door, you wash your hands when you go in. Mm-hmm. You finish with that patient, you wash your hands. He says, you wash your hands so much. And he explained to me a very simple process. Tell me, you know, you have a medical background. You're EMT and you're kind of a medical uh, junkie. So he said this, you're never going to get sick if the germ can't get in your body. Mm-hmm. So if you can keep it from getting in your body. And I said, really? He says, there's only so many openings. You know, I mean, it's got to get in through a cut in the skin. Or it's got to get in through your nose or your mouth or your ear or your eyes. It's got to get into somehow it's got to get in your body. And if that happens, you'll get sick. So his rule was wash your hands and don't put your hands by your face. Yep. And he doesn't get sick. And that's why kids get sick all the time because where do they put their hands? Right in their face. And everything else that they found. So whatever's on anything, they're going to get sick. So you could actually live in a home with kids and not become sick because you're just kind of diligent to watch where you put your hands Mm -hmm. and that you wash your hands. Yep. Yep. I remember a time at camp when we had a, a, a young man came here and he was, I don't know, nine years old or 10 years old or something, got off the bus and threw up in his suitcase. Mm. And I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> this is going to be trouble. And it was. It was a really weird virus. It was something that its incubation time was just hours, it seemed. And uh, it was only like a four-hour flu, which I've never even heard of before. Because we had the health department in at that point to check it out because mm-hmm. we couldn't figure out what was going on. Because I'd be talking to kids, and all of a sudden, they'd throw up on me. <laughs> it was so fast-acting that it was unbelievable. And, you know, after a couple weeks of this, you know, new kids coming in, still having it. There was a, you know, kind of a flu thing going around somewhere. And we get kids from all over, so it could have been in any, you know, Minneapolis, Chicago, or wherever it came from. But I remember then thinking, okay, I'm going to get our housekeeping crew up early in the morning and have them go through the whole camp and spray, you know, Lysol spray on every doorknob. And then I'm going to have um, every kid, we're going to tell them they have to use this hand sanitizer as they go through the line before they eat. We wiped it out. 
Mm-hmm. We did. We stopped it. And I thought, wow, that doesn't seem like rocket science that at this point. It goes back to wash your hands. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty yeah. simple thing. So so as you go through chemo, though, you're, you're more susceptible to diseases. So I'm trying to think, as we have listening guests that are um, either um, have family members or themselves are suffering or will have family members or themselves suffer in the future because that's the way life goes. I'm thinking, how do I respect that and help you get better? And I'm thinking, you know what I do if I have a cold or if I'm sick? I need to make sure I'm not slobbering all over you, giving you hugs and and doing things. I need to make sure that I'm respectful of the fact that you can get sick pretty easy and try and keep that from you if Mm -hmm. possible. Yeah, most adults are very good. You know, adults get sick, they know they're sick. It's the kids that can be a challenge because right. they you know, they don't know enough to go wash their hands and blow their nose and so right. the kids are the challenge to and you know, it's uh because I've been very fortunate this you know this winter and this is the first time I've gotten a little cold yeah well when I went overseas I, I, I actually went and I had a little jar a little bottle of that hand sanitizer mm-hmm. I left in my pocket yep and after every handshake I would use it and my father-in-law told me that. He's a doctor that I was talking about. And he said, you know, you just want to make sure. Yeah. And, and in some countries, it was never, ever, ever. You'll notice they never use their left hand for anything. Mm-hmm. That's their because toilet paper. That's their toilet paper hand, and they don't have toilet paper. So never touch their left hand. And so it's just pretty logical stuff there. Mm-hmm. I know people are listening going, we're talking about terminal illness here. <laughs> well, you know what? Actually, someone like yourself get a pretty good flu, and it could be pretty oh, yeah. pretty bad. Yep. Go from uh, cancer to flu and cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, uh, one of the things they tell you going, you know, as you're prepping going through chemo, uh, if I spike a fever of, I think it's 100.4, I have to go to the ER yeah. because it's uh, – uh, my immune system is so compromised and, you know, the white blood count, you know, is down. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty significant fever. Whereas a uh, normal healthy adult, fever of 100.4 is, that's yeah, nothing. Right. And, you know, fortunately that's only happened once. And there's really no explanation why I spiked a fever. And so I've been fortunate that you know, I've only had to go to the ER for a fever once. So let me ask you some questions. You've had uh, this diagnosis of cancer now for about how long? Uh, it was... Middle of December is when I was officially diagnosed. Okay. And so you've been going through chemo, life changes. There's oh, been many life changes. Yep. Uh, from just working here and doing other things and just life changes in general because you have to. Mm-hmm. You went through where your bones got brittle and you've had some fractures in your back. Am I correct? Yep. Uh, three vertebrae. And I there's some questionable vertebrae that are there, but uh, some of the medication that I'm on uh, going through chemo helps out with uh, repairing that. Okay. So let me let me ask you. Now, before you started this journey, you would say that you knew that God loved you. Yep. What do you think today? Still loves me. All right. So that hasn't changed. Nope. There are some things in your life that have not changed. Can you imagine going through life and trusting things that do change? That's tough. Yeah. I think if people are listening to us, one of the things, the greatest hope that we can give somebody who's going through um, some sickness or illness at this point is to understand what does not change and cling to it. Mm -hmm. That list is pretty short. That's one of the things that, you know, my wife and I, you know, that's where our hope comes from is God does not change. Right. Yeah. It's, he knew this was going to happen and that's where peace comes from. 
you know, it's, it's the, the, you know, the pain and the suffering that comes with that. But our, the peace that we get and the comfort that we get is knowing that God is with us through this and he does not change. So somebody that doesn't have God in their life, how do they go through it? That's a good question because I don't want to experience that. All right. <laughs> and I invite uh, those that are listening that, are, that really don't have God in your life to go to some of the other programs we did. Uh, you can go to uh, Podbean and, and just download it or iTunes and just type in uh, our names if you want, and it should come up for you uh, on a podcast that you can get. But it's, it's interesting to think that those without hope. Look, recently, um, my wife and I were with our in-laws, uh, her parents, my in-laws, and uh, they're older. My mom, uh, and they're both 89 years older. One was 89, one was going to turn 89 just in a month here. And so we were visiting them, and they were in a nursing home. Uh, my father-in-law has Parkinson's disease, and it's at a stage where it's, it's some pretty tough stuff mm -hmm. uh, to watch and pretty tough stuff to be a part of. And my mother-in-law had dementia or Alzheimer's, and I'm not really 100% sure what the difference is in those things, but something along uh, that line. We called it either or, and nobody guessed <laughs> what it was anyway. So we knew what we were talking about. She couldn't remember what we did you know, mm -hmm. a minute ago or whatever it might have been. And we had just taken them out to, to a, a, a place to eat on the campus where they were and brought them back. And about an hour or two hours later, my mother-in-law died, just laying in bed. And I went to her and saw her. And, and I'm telling you, the, the kids all came. She has uh, three children, my wife uh, and her sister and her brother and their spouses. Um, and the kids came, and we sat in the room where she died. And my wife had to, uh, to go tell her dad who was about six feet from her mom, that mom died. Uh, because of the Parkinson's and because he got put in bed, he did not know that she died. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is interesting. You know, your dad and you're the oldest sister and we're the first ones there. And he doesn't know that his wife just died, you know, next to him. I'm telling you, Nate, um, it wasn't a moment of great despair. I could see the pain on my wife's, uh, in my wife's look. I could see the shock in my father-in-law um, as he was told, uh, which would be normal um, mm -hmm. because she just went to sleep as far as he knew. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been married 67 years. 67. Incredible. They don't know life apart from each mm -hmm. other. I mean, they have no idea how to live life apart from each other. And even in her Alzheimer's, she was just, it, it was almost miraculous how she was faithful to him and taking care of him. Mm -hmm. And and the rest of life could have gone by without remembering it, but she could remember to take care of him. Mm -hmm. When he fell and needed help, she actually got a robe on, went down, found security, brought him back up. I mean, at other times, she's roaming out of the building, not knowing where she was going. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, when he needed help, she rose to the occasion. I tell you, when I sat there and watched my wife tell her dad that her mom just died, it was a precious moment that I'm glad I was there for. Because she didn't talk to him as one without hope. Mm -hmm. She talked to him as one that had hope. And my first thought was I went up to her and just kind of touched her lifeless body. It was already getting cold. I thought, you're not there. Mm -hmm. And you also no longer have dementia. You're done with this body and the disease that has racked you for these years. And you are now free. That's the hope that comes from knowing God and responding to him. Mm 
I watched my wife look my father-in-law in the eye and say, Dad, Mom is with Jesus. And him look at her a little confused at first, but then realized what she said. The Bible makes it clear that those who are in God's family are in God's family because of Jesus and what he did on the cross. And they will never be alone. They will never, ever be alone. Now, we could look at you, Nate, and think, okay, this cancer one day will beat you and you'll, you'll die. We were just talking about how that may not be. You have a story about your, your is it your dad, your grandpa, who? who oh, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know how many times, you know, going through high school, it was doctors, oh, he's probably not going to live through the night. Yep. 15 years later, he's still kicking. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, it's, we, we don't know the time or the day when God's going to call us home. Never do. And it's, uh, we, uh, we both could walk out of the studio, get hit by a train. Right. Even though there's no train out there, a train could still come and hit That's us. That's right. Never know. <laughs> it, well, it's interesting to me because, you know, when you look at, at the hope that was displayed in that room that night, mm-hmm. we actually sat there for several hours um, with her body there talking as a family. Mm-hmm. And it was hopeful conversation. In fact, the dementia had, had turned my mother-in-law into somebody she wasn't, in a way. In some ways, uh, it was good. In some ways, obviously, it, it wasn't. I mean, that's how life is. But I've never seen a more peaceful look on her face when she was laying in that bed. She was totally, her face had this expression of total peace. And the last words that she said, the nurse said, were her husband's name. She called out Wes which is his name, hmm. and gave a, a, one of those, um, I call them the death breath, mm-hmm. where there's this gasp of air yep. and died. And I thought, 67 years married, the last words out of her mouth were her husband's na- was her husband's name, and Jesus was there to meet her and take her home. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, there were tears because we're separated for a while. And that's what sin has done. It separates us from God. It separates us from each other. So there were some tears. And there, there, there still are because we miss the people that are not here anymore. But there's so much hope there. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't imagine you and, and your wife and your kids going through this. And just the only hope you would have is money and doctors to go through it. And they all fail you. They all do. You know, just this week, I mean, we heard... Uh, Alex Trebek, his cancer is seemingly getting better. Yeah. And then we had another friend who just died of the same cancer. Mm-hmm. And almost on the same day, I got the news on, on both. And it's like, wait a minute, this is both the same cancer. Why did one die? And why is one getting better? That, you know, we need to know that, that life is going to be, uh, we will be held accountable for all that we do and say. And that as we are people who love God and put our trust in Jesus, we will stand before God one day as one who loves us and saved us and never let us be alone. My mother-in-law was never alone. And I can tell you, Nate, you will never be alone. And what's even more important to you, your wife will never be alone. Mm -hmm. My father-in-law was uh, very concerned for his wife. She She had dementia, like I said, and we had actually finalized plans on how we were going to take care of them next the day before 
we were going to put him in a memory care unit, even though he didn't have a need for one. Mm -hmm. Because we were all saying, including him, that he would die first. And that she would live for who knows how many years and need memory care assistance. Mm -hmm. She died that night. All of our plans went out the window. We're still struggling for a plan now. <laughs> because we don't know what to count on. I think God does that for a laugh. Yeah. It's... Because he, God knows where we're at, you know, spiritually and all. And I think he kind of throws stuff like that just to humor himself sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I do know he's you know, he's got a plan, and, yeah. and it's not going to be a bad one. I'll bet you though. Like, how? Tell me how. How how have your relationships with your kids and your wife have they changed at all since you have gone through this? It, it of course they've changed. It's but. Yeah, their the relationships were always good, but it's uh, everything's more meaningful now right. because it's you know the reality is, yeah, I don't know how much time I have left. You know, I could have a hundred years, I can have six months. You know, we don't know. So the time that I do spend with them is a lot more meaningful, just because of that unknown. And really, we should approach relationships with people like that all the time, right? Because we don't know just for the sheer fact of death is a reality. Right. And you can die pretty much any time. I, I was wondering, have you ever thought of what you would do? Let's say tomorrow the doctor comes in and says, well, you're cured, weird. You know, you're okay. The, what you've learned in your relationships is the preciousness of them. Mm -hmm. How will you keep focused on the preciousness of relationships if things got back to, quote, normal where you weren't sick? Well, if doctor came back and told me I was cured, that's a miracle in and of itself, and that to me that points to God because He was the only one that could do that. Yeah. So that gives me a way to proclaim this is what God has done. Yep. And continue on as I've been doing. Yep. You know, I think we I think reminders are important mm -hmm. uh, to all of us because we get we get so lost in the moment. I mean, you can get lost cutting your lawn. You know, I mean. Now all of a sudden you're just thinking about the grass blades and whatever else and, you know, the deer off in the distance that mm -hmm. is eating your grass or whatever it might be. <laughs> the hostas. Yeah. I spray my hosta. No, no deer wants them. But here's what I found out. If you look around, we're in a studio right now at Relate365.com studio. And if you look around, I'm looking at a picture that's over your shoulder that was always outside my dad's office. He started the ministry here 52 years ago. It was a pastor for many years. That picture was always outside his office. So when I glance at that picture, it brings me back to the importance of my dad. The picture over my right shoulder is an eagle. That is from my father-in-law. Uh, one of his dear, dear friends, who's also a dear friend of mine, who was a professor of mine at, at a college. Um, I'm 63, he's about 75. He gave him that picture. And I took it off the wall, now that he doesn't need it anymore, and I put it in the studio so I could remember. When I look at the eagle and I look at that picture, I think of him. There's a, over to your left, there's a, there's a logo. That's the original camp logo, not the one we use today. But it's there because my dad uh, pasted it up with little rubber lines and stick-on letters and all kinds of stuff to make it originally. And I remember the early years of the faith that was put into this ministry, and that, that little symbol reminds me of that. This uh, loon that you see on the wall is actually a picture of a guy that's uh, um, about 
I, I'm saying 90 took. And it's a, it just reminds me of the faithfulness of God and nature and the beauty that he possesses and, and friends that are older that are, are gifted mm-hmm. in different things. And the desk to my left is my mother-in-law's. So I am surrounded. I'm actually surrounded by memories of people. And I would encourage you and anybody else, have things around you that nobody else may know but that reminds you of somebody. And when you look at them, pray for them. Now, I can't pray for my dad. He would need to be talking to God about me at this point. But I could thank God for the dad that I had, for the faithfulness that I had. I look at the logo. I could thank God for the faithfulness that's demonstrated in the ministry. I can thank God for the family that I have because of this desk and because of the, the, the picture on the wall. Actually, if you look at almost everything in here, it came from somewhere. There, there's some pottery over there from Israel. There's a couple of students that gave me that little, whatever that is. Uh, I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a piece of art, I guess. And, and I remember them from that. It's amazing what you need to do in this very busy life to remind yourself of what's important. And mm-hmm. if you don't do that on a regular basis, what's going to happen is there's going to come a time in life where you're forced to do it. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool is when you're at that moment in life where you're forced to do it, to realize you've been doing it all along. You know, I look at my father-in-law now with Parkinson's, his wife is with the Lord, and his life is tough, to say the least at this point, to get around with Parkinson's and to deal with the disease. I'll tell you what's precious to him right now. The only thing that's precious to him is family. Mm -hmm. The rest of it can wait. Um, As we went through his apartment, I told you the desk I have in it. It's stuff. It's just stuff. And people put so much trust in in stuff. Yeah. And stuff doesn't cut it. No. It's Um, not going to save you. It's not going to do anything. It can bring temporary comfort and temporary enjoyment. And that's about it. Yeah. But it's not long-lasting. I tell you, I watched um, at at my mother-in-law's funeral, our memorial service, I guess it was. Uh, my wife read a tribute that she had read to her and did when she was 85 years old. And it was very interesting when the kids were talking about, um, they were just talking about what was going to take place at the memorial service. My, my wife is very introverted and uh, doesn't necessarily relish getting in front of people and, and talking about things. Uh, but so, they, you know, one of her siblings, like I said, well, I imagine, you know, I don't know if you want to say anything. And she goes, I've got it ready. Just very casual. I got it ready. And I knew what she meant because when her mom and dad turned 85, she wrote out a tribute to, to them and read, that, read it to them. And they had it in their apartment and she went and, and got it. And she read it at her funeral. And at the... Um, before we left, again, her dad was in the nursing facility, and we were having to leave to come back up north. We're about 300 miles from them at this point. Um, she looked at her dad as we were sitting in his room and said, you know, Dad, you heard me read Mom's tribute again. I want you to hear it while you're still alive again. Now, she already read his to him. And she sat there. I don't know how she could read it. I'm in tears. You know, I mean, well, she's doing it, but she just was able to do it. And I thought, you know, how special it is that she was able to read words of a tribute to her parents while they were alive. Mm -hmm. 
there's so many times where we wait until a funeral to say things we should say. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you something. If you got something to say to somebody that's a compliment or that they've been an encouragement to you or, or they're important to you in life, say it to them. If you need to put it in writing, put it in writing. But get out and say it. We don't do that enough. We don't tell people that they're valuable to us. We don't thank them for their, their life and their, their uh, generosity, their kindness. We don't thank them for the influence they've had in their lives. Can you imagine what kind of world we'd live in if people started to focus on, I'm going to say something to this person uh, that's positive that I've noticed. Now, we can always find negative. Everybody always finds a negative. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't, if you spend two minutes with my wife, I'm sure if, if she would not. I know her well. She would not talk negative about her husband in front of you. But she could. Mm-hmm. I think um, every every wife could find something yeah, negative about that. Yeah, they, <laughs> they could. And I don't think she'd have to dig too deep either. Um, but in the, in the whole process, what you begin to see is that, you know, I, I have relationships around me of people that are very important to me. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure while I'm alive that they know that they're important to me. I want to know why they're important to me. And I think we should tell them. Well, it all goes back to the, you know, motto you kind of live, love God, love people. Right. And you love God and love people. That comes hand in hand. Letting people know how important they are. And you have no idea how encouraging that can be to some people. Uh, A Bible study that I was at uh, earlier this week um, one of the guys that was there came up to me and he was very encouraged just by how, you know, I'm approaching this whole cancer thing, just how positive I am. And I'm like, you know, it's awesome that he sees that. And it's for me, I just point towards one thing. God is what's causing this. Right. Cause left to me, pfft, I'm lost. Yep. And you know, it's the little things like that. You have no idea until you actually tell somebody and then that could be the world to them. Yep. You know, I think I'm convicted uh, just by watching my wife operate in that way uh, to make sure that the people that are important to me know how important they are uh, while I'm able to say it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even look at my father-in-law now who has Parkinson's, and he can't talk very well. For him to get a sentence out oh, yeah. is very difficult. So even if he wanted to say something right now that was lengthy about, you know, caring for people or in, in, he can't yep. so the opportunities for him are done in that sense now he does tell us when we leave that he loves us i mean uh, we don't ever leave and where that is not exchanged between us but the bottom line really is that's about all he can do mm-hmm. i want to encourage our listeners number one if you don't have the hope that, that God wants to give people who are in his family, you can be in his family. You're not in his family because of your abilities or your works. You're in his family because he loves you and he sent Jesus Christ, his son, down to this earth to die for you. The sin in our life have separated us from him. And to come to God and allow Jesus to pay for your sins puts you in his family and gives you eternal hope so that one day when you are in the position where you will meet God, You will not meet him as a judge, but you'll meet him as a savior. And the day you close your eyes on this earth will be some of your better time existence, Mm -hmm. if you want to call it that. 
I appreciate uh, you taking the time to listen to Younger Older. This is Dave and Nate. We're coming to you from Relate365.com on the campus of Silver Birch Ranch.